just so many business podcasts out there. How can I possibly know where to begin? Here at Intrepid Business, we are about stripping away all of the usual boring fluff and instead focus on showcasing real people doing real business, achieving amazing things. The ones truly changing the world, the instigators making a dent, the people changing how we do sales and marketing, leading innovation, the people redefining leadership. But who are these people? Why do they do what they do? How do they do what they do? Find out on Intrepid Business. And now, here are your hosts. Good afternoon and welcome back to Intrepid Business. Today promises to be a very intriguing and very important conversation. We talk a lot about employee engagement on this show, but I think today's guest has a different spin on it which I think will be valuable to all of us. And so I'm looking forward to, plus I've never had a human energy architect on the show before. So looking forward to that. So let's welcome today's guest. His name is Brady Wilson. He is a human energy architect and the author of a new book called Beyond Engagement, which we're here to talk about. Brady, welcome to the show. Thank you, Todd. Yeah, it's good to have you. Thanks for carving out some time to join me. I know you're a very busy gentleman and I appreciate you uh, you donating some valuable time to us uh, and sharing some insights on engagement. Brady, before we get into this new book that promises to be a very intriguing, take a few quick seconds, inform the audience a bit about you and your background. Right. Uh, the last couple of decades, I've been working with senior leadership teams around the world and taking conversation mainstream. And really what that means is helping them have the types of very real conversations that allow breakthrough innovations to happen. So in the process of that, about a decade ago, started to see that one of the manifestations of great conversation was that energy gets released and energy has a massive impact on people's executive function, their ability to be innovative, the customer experience. And so really started pounding the drum about 10 years ago. We've got to shift from our focus on engagement to managing energy. So with a company named like Juice, you got to know that energy is pretty important to us. <laughs> well, wait a minute. You said something intriguing there, taking communication mainstream. Are you saying that we're not doing that now? And, and why well, not? Taking conversation mainstream. So 20 years ago, everybody said, you know what, the thing that's missing is communication. And if they did a, any sort of a focus group or, or assessment on their organization and what showed up was communication. But what wasn't happening was people stepping into conversation skillfully. And Todd, you know what happened. We got on the bandwagon of difficult conversations, crucial conversations, fierce conversations, uh, chaos conversations. <laughs> and what happened was we basically relegated conversation to the episodic. Whenever there was an episode, then you pulled out your conversation skills. But what I did was I said, you know what? That certainly works for those situations where there is an episode, but by the time it becomes episodic, there's so much residue attached to it that it takes multiple of energy, mind space, time to repair it. What about the everyday conversations? What about the energizing conversations? So I brought that mainstream, you know, around 20 years ago, and then in the next 10 years are really focused on, let's figure out how to release and generate sustainable, renewable energy inside organizations, inside human beings. Okay. I think I'm getting where you're coming from here because you've said that conversation is the operating system of an organization. So what you're saying is the organ the communication that we're doing now is draining energy as opposed to feeding us energy, right? That is right. 
Yeah, this operating system concept is one that has really ignited for people. They instinctively know it's true that it's the way our brain works. You know, one neuron sends a message to another neuron, and when it is transmitted and received, that is what allows you to move. That's what allows you to pick up the phone. That's what allows you to do everything. It is the operating system of life, but it's also the operating system of an organization. So conversation is the operating system that drives sales, customer service, problem-solving, strategy, innovation. You take conversation out of customer service and that app is which is so sexy and and uh, we're enamored with it it becomes useless and so could we figure out how to use that operating system to generate energy when we're in interactions that's my question well frankly observing business for as long as i have i can't imagine a more important question i mean because i've long half-jokingly said that 99.9% of the world's problems, and I'm talking about geopolitics to business to personal relationships, are because of bad communication. Now, humans are are wired to to communicate, right? We learn, we communicate by storytelling. And I guess I'll ask you this context mostly from the business perspective, but the answer is probably applicable across all human connection. Why are we so darn bad at communication these days? Well, we unfortunately, are swimming in an ecosystem which is not very friendly to the skills that you need to be great in conversation. So, for instance, we have more options, choices. We have more uh, an, an inundation with information. We are stimulated. When was the last time you were ever bored? You haven't been bored in the last five years because if you have a moment of downtime, all you have to do is pick up your phone. And so the reflection the time to meditate, the time to think about moving from the trivial many to the essential few, the vital few. We've lost that capacity because we are in a frenetic society. And so those skills and the the way of being that is essential to be good at conversation, we're basically systematically removing it from our society. Well, what you're saying is that we're just more consumers of information than we are communicators, right? I mean, and that's where our society, it's where our culture, it's what 140 tweet characters in a tweet enables us to do. I, yeah. I can read yeah. I can read three pages in a book when I have I'm on, when I'm on hold for a phone call. I mean, that's a great thing, the, the access to all this information, but what it's teaching us, what it's making us do is, is just look down instead of looking ahead, and we're no longer really communicating, if I'm hearing you correctly. That is correct, Todd, and what it plays lovely, uh, beautifully into the ethos of effort over trying, overthinking, over committing. We're a society that doesn't know the meaning of the word enough. So you're a runner. You've worked out. The trap that most runners fall into is knowing when it's enough. And whenever we get injured, we typically have got the answer wrong. <laughs> you know. And so in work... What's happening right now is because we are so inundated and we don't know the art of essentialism, what are the vital few things that I need to be doing very, very well? We overcommit. We're over-trying. We're over-exerting ourselves. And so conversation is the first thing that will get carved out of our life when we're in that mode. Yeah. Uh, I'm sitting here thinking through what you're saying here, and I'm recognizing it because it's I'm looking in the mirror, too. All right. So... We could go on this riff for for hours, Brady. Let's shift. So the new book, 
beyond engagement, a brain-based approach that blends the engagement managers want with the energy employees need. So what I'm really getting out of this is that there's a way to actually to thrive on this and, and to generate positive energy, which is what's lacking in most organizations. All right. So this book, walk me through why you needed the, to write this book. Why did the world need this? Mid-90s, we got so enamored with engagement, with all the promises associated with it. The CEO wants to be on the top 50 list because that looks good to the board. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> VP of Human Resources says that's going to attract talent, etc. So we say we're going to go after employee engagement. We start running the surveys. And for the first few years, employees, they answer all the questions on the survey and they never hear anything back. And they go, what is this employee engagement thing? Well, we get a little bit more evolved and we start giving them the responses. Here's what you said in the survey. And we start to take a few actions and employees go, well, this is a good thing. But usually in most organizations, what's happened is the results have plateaued and we're at a, a, a real a chaotic time here, a, a real crisis of belief because up to 50% of employees in many organizations do not believe any meaningful action is going to happen as a result of the survey. So they're saying, why should I answer this thing? And here's the issue. We have said we want engagement for all those reasons, but it becomes to the employee a bit of a con game. This is just about you getting me to come in early, stay late, give my discretionary effort, try harder, but you're not really addressing what matters to me, which is my lived experience at work. Do I have energy left over for my kids, for my partner to coach a soccer team, to contribute to the community? It's that that matters to them. They don't care about engagement scores. Well, here's my problem with employee engagement, right? I think I have two issues with it. One is, I don't know that there's a common definition that people will agree to. I mean, if you ask 10 people, well, define employee engagement, I think you'll get 10 different answers. And the other issue that I worry about is I I fold that kind of an employee engagement initiative in an organization into things like award surveys and and mission statements that I think an organization is checking off a box. All right, here's the things that we're expected to do as an organization that we're going to put up a big announcement and a poster over the front desk saying, hey, we've achieved employee engagement. And they don't really give a darn about it. They're just, they're checking off a box. Is that what you're talking about when you say, when you explain or use the phrase the engagement paradox? I mean, help me understand that. Yeah, yeah. So in in essence, the, the paradox is the more you manage engagement, the more disengagement you produce. The more that you, as a manager, become the cheerleader for engagement, the spin meister, the social convener, the hand holder, and, and you're plugging, let's all get on the, on the bandwagon with employee engagement, you actually produce more cynicism, a, a crisis of belief, people get turned off. But when you switch to saying, let's have meaningful conversations about your energy level and you having energy left over at the end of the day, I've been doing this for 10 years with the organization. It changes the game because employees are very, very willing to step into that conversation. But the conversation about are you engaged is laden with judgment. What do you mean? You don't think I'm committed? Am I not trying hard enough? You don't think I care about the company? And so it's got this stigma associated with it. If we can change the game and say, you know what, let's talk about energy. And energy is what actually deploys our talents, not engagement. Energy is what creates the great customer experience. Well, we're going to dive into energy after this break. But before I do that, though, I mean, you've gone so far as to say that employees perceive management or these engagement efforts as, as a con game, right? 
And there's no leader in the world, I, I would say, very few set out to con employees. These are unintended consequences. Sure, sure. Yeah. And so we make these decisions, but what we don't really understand is that we want a great customer experience. We want great results and we want a great employee experience. It's just that one of those drives the other two and it is the employee experience. So any decision we make around employee engagement that doesn't fully take that opinion and that perspective into consideration is fated for disaster. All right. Well, speaking of engagement, I'm far too engaged with my guest today, and so I'm way past my time for the break. So Brady Wilson and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpeedler.com. All right, I'm back with Brady Wilson, a human energy architect and the author of a new book, Beyond Engagement. All right, so for the benefit of the audience, and frankly for me, the tagline of the book, a brain-based approach that blends the engagement managers want with the energy employees need. I've never had a discussion around employee engagement that didn't that focused on energy. So walk us to be sure we're real clear in what you mean by the energy employees need. Right on. You know, you were talking before about if you had 10 people, they'd each give a different definition right, for right. engagement. But one of the things that's common, Todd, is, is people will say engagement is about them saying, staying, and striving. So they're going to say good things about the organization. They're going to stay with you. They're going to strive to do their best. So the picture is that of an employee that's committed, dedicated, loyal, come in early, stay late, give their discretionary effort, uh, soldiering on. And I mean, who would not want that sort of determination and that perseverance? It's just that if you pursue engagement at the expense of or ignoring energy, what you end up with is you miss out on the executive function. Let me just explain that for a second. When you're low on energy and you're, you're dedicated, but you're depleted, the first thing you lose is the executive function of the brain. So who cares about that? Well, let's look at the executive function just for a second. It's your ability to connect the dots, analyze, synthesize information, and, and pick out the best options. It's your ability to regulate your emotions in tension-filled situations, to focus in the midst of distraction, to make really smart decisions. So the executive function basically gives us the power tools of value creation and innovation. But when we're low on energy, we can have all the dedication and commitment and loyalty in the world. But if we're depleted, we will actually resort to duct tape fixes and workarounds and reactivity and firefighting. And so we actually produce in the organization a perfect ecosystem for ongoing depletion. So shifting from, of course, we've got to have the engagement, but we want something beyond that engagement. We want energy as well. 
So if somebody was listening today and saying, what's the first thing you want me to do? I would say, shift your focus, manage energy, not engagement. If you manage energy, you'll get the engagement. But if you manage engagement, you won't necessarily get the energy. Well, I think it's really important to emphasize here that this isn't just some cool, wicked, neat theory that Brady Wilson and team sat around the boardroom and whiteboarded one day. I mean, there's real science behind this, right? Well, it's we've ignored the one organ that matters the most, <laughs> you know, the human brain. And, and when you look at it through that lens, and the, every one of these 10 principles is brain-based and when when we put these in front of leaders and managers, they are so instinctively true and, and intuitive that people go, I know that to be true in my career. I know that to be true in business. And so it's a very, very short leap from there to be them being able to apply this and saying, okay, give me the concrete practical ways. But the fact that it is based on the brain science, Todd, you're, you're bang on. It's uh, it really has a, it allows people to really generate an appetite for this stuff. Well, the, you've mentioned these 10 leadership principles to manage energy and not engagement. We're not going to go through them one by one here, but uh, what are the key things that, that people need to pull from that, from this just this conversation, obviously to dive into this complete picture, they need to get this book, but give us a teaser on these 10 leadership principles. Sure. The counterintuitive source for energy, if somebody's listening today and going, okay, Brady, I get it. Energy is important. I want it to drive the executive function. I want that to create a great customer experience. Where do I get me some for my employees? The source of it is very counterintuitive because the source of it is tension. Wherever you have tension, innate to it, resident inside of it, inherent to tension, there is energy right inside. You don't get to decide whether energy will be released from the tension you have with another person. Right. You do get to decide whether it will be innovative energy or destructive energy. So the first thing that anybody listening to this could walk away with is, you know what? In organizations, the greatest tendency for leaders whenever there is tension is to avoid it. But if you can learn to step into tension without either overpowering it or giving into it, but really with the communication and the, the emotional intelligence skills to find out how do we blend the need of the employee with the need of the organization or the need of the customer with the organization, you can actually produce some surprising, surprising results. One of our, our heroes up in Canada here is a guy named Guy La Liberté. He was a street performer. Uh, he wanted to figure out, is there something between the fun and the laughter of the circus but the circus is kind of a dying breed. You know, animal rights activists don't want us shipping animals around. And people don't want the circus anymore. But on the other end of the spectrum, the intellectual sophistication of the theater. But not everybody, that's not accessible to everybody. Not everybody can go to Les Mis or Phantom and get something out of it. So he thought, in between those two polar extremes, is there something? And of course, you know what he came up with. But uh, Cirque du Soleil... So Gita Liberté is worth $2.4 billion, and that's mm. not bad. But all around the world now, people are going to something that gives them the fun and the laughter of the circus with the intellectual sophistication and the beauty of the theater. So what we say to businesses is you have these tensions in your business right now. Everything inside of you wants to go binary, one or the other. But if you can step in with the right emotional intelligence skills, you can actually pull the treasure out of the tension. So that's one of the things that we teach people as leaders, as managers, you can learn how to do that. Do your principles, I mean, you say seek tension 
And I love that. But it strikes me, I mean, some of these principles are counterintuitive, right? I mean, think sticks, not carrots. Target emotion, not logic. Yeah. Experiences, not promises. I think some of these principles will cause tension just because they're so counterintuitive. I mean, if you sit down and if I was to sit across the table from you and you were to walk me through each of these 10 item by item and whiteboard it and help me understand it, I would probably sit there and say, oh, wow, okay, yeah, I get it, I get it. But then I go back into the routine of my office and we fall back in the habits that we've been practicing for years and years or decades and decades. How do you get someone to actually make that mindset shift so that they right. seek tension instead of harmony, which is, you would say, well, I should be trying to make harmony in my organization. Right, exactly. Well, it comes down to some very concrete, pragmatic activities that become hardwired into a manager's life. And once she's hardwired those, it takes care of whether you go towards rational or or uh, emotional engagement, whether you go towards harmony or tension, etc. So, for instance, for the past 10 years, we've been just working with very large organizations, helping their managers step into what we call an energy check, sitting with an employee one-on-one -on -one and finding out what is it that energizes you in your work, what brightens your bulb, if you will. What is it that depletes you? And could we shift from me parenting you or fixing these things or telling you what to do? And could we shift into a partnering relationship where you and I co-create the conditions that will allow you to feel energized in your job? Doesn't mean I'm going to fix everything. Doesn't mean I'm going to take away stuff in terms of responsibilities. But where we could do some job crafting well, that's going to send you right into those tension-filled situations. Yeah. It's going to send you right into those times where you have to figure out the difference between emotional engagement and rational engagement. And so it's basically guaranteed to put you into a bit of a climbing gym that will cause you to have to practice these skills. I understand. I got it. Cool. Well, Brady, you and I uh, could talk for hours on this stuff, uh, and you might have Thank to right. get you, might have to get back on this subject, get you back on the show, and continue dialogue on this. But for today, sadly, we are out of time. Before I let you go, how can people contact you should they have questions? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of Beyond Engagement? Right on. So Amazon, Indigo Chapters, like go to uh, those that the, you'll find Beyond Engagement there. Uh, have them come to our website, Tom, because there's free stuff there that could be really helpful for people who, who have an appetite to learn how to manage energy. So www.juiceinc.com, and they can, there are webinars there, the resources there. We'd love to get this into people's hands. We want to help out. We visualize a world pulsating with intelligent, creative energy, and we're wanting to create a movement that uh, in, in North America and around the world, people really start to learn how to generate this type of sustainable energy. Well, and it's so important. Brady Wilson, a human energy architect and the author of Beyond Engagement, a brain-based approach that blends the engagement managers want with the energy employees need. Brady, you energize me, man. Thank you for joining us. God, thank you so much. All right. Well, that wraps this conversation. Again, on behalf of my guest, Brady Wilson, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business.